everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to the Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here Welcome to the Pastor Study, everybody. I'm Pastor Tom Brock, and this is Professor Teresa Colette, Professor of Law at the University of St. Thomas. And welcome, Teresa. I'm delighted to be here. This is a very important topic today. If you would have told me when I was little that the President of the United States would be promoting homosexual marriage, I would have said you're crazy. But even worse, that the President of the United States would mandate that Catholic hospitals, charities, etc., would have to pay for contraceptives and abortifacients. I mean, this is a, I, it doesn't seem to be bothering people. It should bother you tremendously if you're a Christian who believes in freedom of religion that the president is forcing people now to pay for contraceptives. So, Teresa Colette, welcome. And it seems to me what troubles me is people don't seem to care. And all that we care about as we think about that, how to vote for president is the economy. Well, doesn't it matter that we're killing babies and that we're, some are promoting a homosexual marriage? How do you respond to this? I actually think that people care far more than you know. Okay. Uh, the Chick-fil-A response yes. evidence that ordinary Americans stand with us on protection of religious liberty and freedom of speech, independent of the views. So I think it's more, if you will, a mirage created by the media that refuse Which to cover. Which is left of center. Absolutely. And they refuse to cover the response that the average American has to the idea that you should have Mother Angelica handing out condoms. Mm -hmm. Nobody thinks that should mm -hmm. be mandated by law. Mm -hmm. So I think you'll be pleased when so we see. What exactly, well, what exactly, actually the president's giving the Catholic Church a year to implement this, am I right? But he hasn't gone back at all on requiring the Catholic institutions to provide contraceptives, has he? No, and that's one of the things that's a great myth being promoted out there is, of course, after the church immediately reacted, and it's not just Catholics, not only are they requiring coverage of non-abortion contraception, but they're actually requiring sterilization be covered and that abortion-inducing drugs be covered. So there are other Christian hospitals that are saying, we don't want any part of this. We're mm -hmm. not going to be a part of this. But President Obama with Kath Kathleen Sebelius, a head of head Secretary of, of the Department of Health and uh, Human Services. They're just not budging on this. Well, he, of course, gave this great speech, which is exactly that, a speech saying, well, we're going to compromise, and Catholic universities or religious universities or institutions won't actually have to fund this. Their insurer will give it free to the people that are covered. Well, of course, one of two things is true about that. Either it's a lie, and so the religious institutions will pay more to set a broken arm or to remove an appendix, which will go to covering contraception costs, even though there won't be a line item for abortion-inducing drugs, mm -hmm. sterilizations, and contraception. Mm -hmm. Or, in which case, it's, it's just not true. It's an accounting trick. Yeah. 
or in the alternative, it really is true. And so people who have no problem with it will be paying for the protection of conscience for those of us who have religious qualms with abortion-inducing drugs. And that's a problem under the Establishment mm -hmm, Clause. Mm -hmm. So either way, his solution is no solution. But setting that aside, Pastor Brock, not only did he propose a non-solution, but it wasn't followed by the Secretary of De the Department of Health and Human Services. It's very radically pro-abortion. Unbelievably so for yeah. someone who calls herself a Catholic. Yeah. And yet her regulation, which came out after the president's speech, had none of this. And so when you read in the papers that the, the bishops or that church leaders are not, you know, trying to meet the president halfway, the simple fact is he gave a pretty speech, but there was no change in the administration's mm -hmm. position. Mm -hmm. If that regulation goes into effect, as it has for private employers, then every employer is going to have to fund abortion-inducing drugs. And that's not just a problem for Catholics. No. I was going to say, let's say that you are a, uh, you're not a Catholic, let's say you're a Baptist woman. Absolutely. And you are running a small business. There's, I mean, there's no exception at all for you. You have to pay for any kind of uh, uh, birth control, am I right? That's correct. And in fact, we have an example of that up in Denver. There's, an or there's a company called Hercules Tire, and it's a small manufacturing company that is led by evangelical Christians who, after the HHS mandate went into effect, said, we're not going to cooperate with this, and filed a, a lawsuit. Now, they won in court, but what did the city of Denver do? That, or, that company had been so generous in trying to help uh, the poor and other people who in need in the city of Denver that they'd gotten an award from the city as leaders in charity. The city of Denver said, well, if you're not willing to fund abortion and you're going to fight this, we're going to take that award away. Oh, come on. Well, it's And did like, they take it away? They did. Oh, give me a break. Unbelievable. It, well, are you, are you, do you mean abortion or contraceptive? They are abortion-inducing drugs. Okay. Ella, that's required under this. Much as the president and Secretary Sebelius would like us to believe to the contrary, these are abortion-inducing drugs. Tell me, I mean, there are, there are contraceptives that are not abortion-producing. Tell me the ones that are abortion-producing. Well, clearly, Ella is one of them. Okay. And there are some types of what are called the day-after drugs mm -hmm. that are abortion-inducing. And the difference, of course, is whether or not the hormonal component of these drugs acts to keep the sperm and the egg from uniting or whether the sperm and the egg already unite have created that embryonic person mm -hmm. that tiny little person to quote Dr. Seuss mm -hmm. a person's a person no matter how small mm -hmm. that tiny little person and then keeping them from attaching to the womb or the uterus so okay. that it can be fed and nurtured mm -hmm. okay or whether it simply creates a situation where that union can't occur. Very different, very okay. different. All right. Well, um, let's, let's, uh, when we talk about the fight now for religious liberty, which again, this is new in American history, that we've had a president and an administration forcing well, this kind new. of thing. Um, are there other examples of this in American history where Christians have had to stand up and say, no, you're, you're violating our religious rights? 
Absolutely. The public schools has been a place where we see this played out time and time again throughout history. Uh, but some of the U.S. Supreme Court precedents deal with issues like uh, whether or not members of religious faiths who believe that saluting the flag is idolatry, mm -hmm. are they required to say the Pledge of Allegiance? And initially the Supreme Court said, well, public schools can pretty much mandate whatever they require of students. But then within three years, they reversed course and said, well, no, if it's a religious objection, those students ought to have the right to opt out, which is where we get sort of this exemption for mm -hmm. religious-based objections. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've seen it with some, uh, sadly, some states uh, in the early 1900s were so anti-Catholic that they wanted to punish parents who would send their children to parochial schools. And we have an opinion from the United States Supreme Court saying, well, no, you can't do that. Um, so it's, it's, an, it's been a long debate within our country. What are the limits of religious activity? What I think is new is to have a president who repeatedly refers to freedom as, of religion as freedom of worship. Those two are very different. Uh, freedom of worship, I think, as some intellectuals, including uh, those who advise the president, uh, is limited to what we do within the four walls of the church. It's the Catholic Church's ability to have wine in the sacrament mm -hmm. of the mass. It's your ability to, to preach uh, the gospel in its fullness, even though it may be contrary to the public policies mm -hmm. of the government. Mm -hmm. Freedom of religion is a much more robust concept. It's the idea that the government should not substitute itself for God mm -hmm. in its hierarchy. Mm -hmm. And our founding fathers understood that. They mm -hmm. understood that to try to force a man to act against his conscience was tyranny of the worst mm -hmm. sort. Mm -hmm. um, and more pragmatically, I think they understood the scripture that warns us, fear more those who can, he who can cast you into hell. Than he who can kill your body. Than he who can, so uh, it's that, kind of you're futile. You're quoting a great text. You're talking Luke chapter 10, where the disciples probably were afraid of the Pharisees, and Jesus says, don't fear them. Fear God, because he can send you to hell. All they can do is kill you. And that's true with our government, too. The government can throw us into jail and do all kinds of things, but I want to fear God, not the president. Uh, tell, tell me about this, though. Let's say that uh, President Obama has his way, continues another four years or whatever, and he's going to force Catholics or evangelicals to pay for these things against their conscience. If uh, it'll be challenged in court, will it? It not? has already been challenged. All right. It, let's say it goes to the Supreme Court. Cases. What's going to happen at the Supreme Court level with that one? Well, and that's what's so encouraging is one of the few unanimous Supreme Court decisions we've seen in the past couple of years dealt with the ability of a Catholic parochial school to discharge a teacher who taught religion who they believed was acting inconsistent with the faith. And the Obama administration said that a Catholic elementary school, or a, I'm sorry, it was actually a Lutheran school, a Lutheran school was no different than a country club and should have no more freedom than we would give to a country club. Oh my. In a really remarkable unanimous opinion, the Supreme Court reprimands the administration for their very stingy really, view of religious really. liberty. Wow. So I'm not a big fan of relying on the courts mm -hmm. to save us. The mm -hmm. only person who can save us, of course, is 
God through his son, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Amen. But separate from that, I'm not even a fan of, of relying on them politically to save us because as citizens, we are free and equal citizens yeah. and we have a right to demand yeah. that our government respect the First Amendment. And all right, so I, I'm in total agreement that the government has no right to tell you as a Catholic you gotta pay for contraceptives, be you a, a institution or an individual running a business. I don't like that for me either. And so let me quickly ask you a, a, a tough one though. Sure. You're a, you're a Christian scientist and your daughter is dying and you refuse to get her medical help that could save her life. Or you've got some religious group where uh, uh, using cocaine as part of your religious uh, worship. What do you do with those kinds of things? Well, I think there are two ways to approach it. And so let me separate those two examples. I think the government has an absolute obligation to protect innocent human life. And if we're dealing with a parent who is denying a child life-saving therapies, that there is no question about the need for the therapy and the efficacy of the therapy, then I think the government can step in for that child and say, we're going to preserve this, life, this child's life until they reach adulthood, and then they can make their own decision. Okay. Okay. The cocaine <coughs> question we actually Peyote, saw. Peyote, actually. We, I was about to say, <laughs> we actually saw in the, in the case where the United States Supreme Court uh, reversed its history of giving very broad religious protection uh, to giving a very stingy protection. And that case actually, I think, had some hard facts, but I think the court got it wrong. In that case, there were two drug enforcement officials in Oregon who were members of a Native American religion. And as part of their religious beliefs, they partook in a ceremony using peyote. There was no evidence they used it recreationally. There was no evidence they used it outside that setting. Uh, it was the same as if you had a teetotaling Catholic who took a sip of sacramental wine. Okay. okay? Right. Mm -hmm. um, but because they were fired for this, the question became, were they eligible for unemployment? And the state of Oregon said, no, you violated state law by using peyote, we're free to fire you. The Supreme Court in that case said, as long as the law is neutral and generally applicable, there need not be an exception for religion. Okay. Now, why I find that so troubling, and the majority opinion was written by Justice Scalia, someone who I usually mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, side with, at least mm -hmm. in outcome, if not reasoning. Mm -hmm. Justice Scalia gave this example, and this is where I think he proved that his new rule was wrong. During Prohibition, the Congress, in uh, crafting the amendment that made Prohibition, that it put before the legislatures to make Prohibition go into effect, reserved to itself the right to create exceptions. And they created an exception for sacramental wine, the use and distribution of, that, of sacramental wine. That's where Christian Brothers actually mm -hmm. got their start. Mm -hmm. um, but Scalia said under this new rule, if Congress chose not to do that, that it would be perfectly constitutional. I find it almost impossible to believe that our founding fathers would tolerate a government act that made it impossible for any sincere religious organization seeking to serve God made it impossible for them to engage in their sacraments. Okay, so here's my question then. Let's, to be clear on, what exactly does the First Amendment protect and what doesn't it protect? So in, you know the Constitution much better than me. What, when we talk about religious liberty, religious freedom, what is protected and what isn't? Well, that's the $5 million question. And 
ask five lawyers and you'll get five different opinions. And worse, ask nine justices <laughs> and you'll probably get nine <laughs> different opinions. Um, but it's <coughs> clear it protects freedom of belief. Uh, so uh, in the Jehovah Witness cases where a child uh, needs a blood transfusion mm -hmm. according to the best medical evidence, the courts are not free to say, well, your belief that uh, using whole blood products is the equivalent to eating blood, which is forbidden in the Old Testament, is crazy and so we're going to ignore it. The, mm -hmm. the courts aren't free to do that and, mm -hmm. and I'm glad to hear that. Mm -hmm. um, so, but they are free to engage, to, to intervene where there are actions that have adverse consequences. And that's what we're really fighting over, is okay. when people act from a religious belief, should the state be free to do whatever the state thinks is right, a very low standard, mm -hmm. or should they have to show that they have an important interest that outweighs this person's ability to act on their religious okay. beliefs? And the highest standard is, do they have a compelling state interest that cannot be solved any other way than denying this person religious liberty? Okay. I think in life and death, death cases, mm -hmm. we meet mm -hmm. that highest standard. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure in the peyote case we did. Okay. Um, All right. You know, let, let me just say this to, uh, to this morning. I was talking with a woman who's in a small group supportive. It's a secular thing. She's a Christian gal. But one of the women in her group is a lesbian and said, well, I don't know if this is the place or if I'm able to do it, but I want everybody to vote for gay marriage, et cetera. And the leader of the group said, well, of course, this is the place for us to support you and say yes to that. And this Christian woman said nothing. And I said to her, you know, how come the other side is always so bold and we're so quiet? And Teresa, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't it seem to you that in our society with these cultural battles going on, that the more radical, we'll say liberal left to center people are so much bolder than the people that are conservative. And why is that? Well, Am I right? Do you think they're bolder? I think they certainly get more press and are more, they anticipate being affirmed in many more circumstances. And, and sadly, they're right many times, mm -hmm. even within our own churches. Um, we had a, a young deacon studying for the priesthood this morning give just a marvelous sermon on the formation of conscience and it's more than what you feel that it requires study of scripture and tradition mm -hmm. and to really take into account the view of faith mm -hmm. and to seriously wrestle with mm -hmm. it um, and so I, th I think part of it is a corruption of this idea of freedom of conscience because most people think freedom of conscience uh, whether they go to church every Sunday or not and you know it better than I do pastor most people think freedom of conscience is well whatever I feel yeah. and and God did instill that small, quiet voice that St. Paul mm -hmm. talks about in our heart. But we can, we can drown it out yes, by television and mm -hmm. media and mm -hmm. all sorts of ways. Because I feel something doesn't mean it's right. That's right. The devil's in our feelings. That's right. Um, As is God, though. Yes, and, and, <laughs> but you just said it. You need to read the Bible. To make, we need an objective standard outside of ourselves or we'll, we'll, we'll believe any, I mean, pardon the language, Martin Luther called human reason the devil's whore because you can get your human reason to, to justify anything. Well, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. But I mean, here's my example. You know, we are going to vote on whether we're going to keep marriage, man and woman in Minnesota. Or redefine gonna, it. All right. I see those orange signs promoting gay marriage all over Minneapolis. I've seen one blue sign 
promoting traditional uh, marriage. That's my point. And, and why is it that we're not as bold as they are? Well, in that instance, that specific example, yeah. I think part of it's funding. You know, yeah. we're being outfunded at least four or six times to one. Yeah. And so, by who? Uh, by George Soros or whatever his name among is. Among others, yeah. there was a, a tremendously large gift to the other side. I think it was $23 million from a Michigan. Oh, no. I, I think that's right. Now, wow. I may have, I may be too bold, zero. It may just yeah. be 230000 Okay. But uh, so we've got we've got the problem that we are husbanding our resources for those last two weeks. I mean, you've already seen a television ad in the Minneapolis-St. Paul mm -hmm. television area, um, and we just don't have the resources. So, so can I can I just say, everybody, wherever the camera is, can I just say, if you're a Christian, would you vote for God's definition of marriage? It's one man, one woman, which means you vote yes. For the marriage amendment means yes we want to keep things even tell them what mark ritchie did with the wording of this thing well the I need, secretary of state i need to let the viewers know that i'm actually a lawyer involved in that case oh you are i represent um, the republican leadership of both chambers okay so but the question before the minnesota supreme court is does the secretary of state have the authority to change a title of a ballot measure where the legislature has said this is what we want the people to be voting on and so uh, when will they decide that that's not clear will it be uh, before but very the election? soon oh no question and, it's got and to do be you in think, time to print what do you think is going to happen one of the justices during that hearing kept asking um, a very interesting question which I, I mean, i'm sorry just for background he worded it to make it kind of lean toward the other side, did he not? He did. Yes. Uh, marriage, I, I believe the title was something to the effect of an amendment to define marriage limiting it to heterosexuals mm -hmm. or opposite sex couples. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, um, I think the change he made in the voter ID title was far worse, oh my. <laughs> frankly. Oh my. Um, but what the court may do which doesn't really answer the legal question, but gives a pragmatic result, is they'll just put the wording of the amendment on, and they won't put titles on. So I'll be very interesting. I think the question on the marriage amendment and even voter ID is very clear, and okay. most people understand it. And, and they we, don't we got to tell people, though, if you don't vote, it counts as a no. Absolutely. So you've got to vote yes for the marriage amendment. That's Article 9 of the Minnesota Constitution, Section 1. And I actually am a fan of that idea because we ought not be changing the Constitution mm -hmm. willy-nilly. Unless there's a reason. And so what it requires is a majority of everybody who votes in the election to vote yes. And here's what troubles me when the more liberal people say, well, uh, gay marriage is already against the law in Minnesota, so it's already illegal. Yeah, but have you heard of Iowa? Well, have you heard of Benson versus Alverson? You and I talked about that on an earlier broadcast. What is that? That's the case that's pending right now in, the, in Hennepin County, where three gay couples have sued, saying that the Minnesota Constitution requires a redefinition of marriage. Uh. And the trial court threw it out, uh -huh. but three judges on the Minnesota Court of Appeals unanimously said, oh no, we think the Minnesota Constitution may require us oh, to redefine marriage. Break. So, I mean, c can you imagine the founding fathers of Minnesota or the United States finding a right to abortion, for one thing, in the Constitution, and then a right to gay marriage? I mean, this all started, did not, about 2002 or whenever the Supreme Court threw out the sodomy laws in Texas. And, 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 they, and 
it was said, well, this will, oh, this will lead to gay marriage. No, it won't lead to gay marriage. Well, here we are. Well, for many of us, Pastor, it's really much more about Genesis than Leviticus. And I would say that this really started in the Garden of mm -hmm. Eden. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and when people say, when people say, when people say, Jesus never said anything about homosexuality. Well, he also never said anything about wife beating or, or uh, you know, uh, but but the thing is, he did say, uh, Jesus, Jesus, and the red letters said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall no longer be two but one. Jesus calls marriage one man, one woman. He does, and he's very clear that there are lots of things that we're doing wrong. I mean, that the passage about divorce. But from a religious liberty perspective, mm -hmm. what's really concerning is what we're finding happening to people who hold that belief. Yeah. I mean, Chick-fil-A, all that the owner of Chick-fil-A, a privately held company, yeah. let's just start there, yeah. a privately held company, he was asked by a hostile press, what do you think of marriage? And he said, we stand for traditional values and marriage is one man and one and woman. And the mayor of Chicago, Rahm Emanuel, and the mayor of Boston just were, were just said, we're not going to give you any more business give licenses. Me a break. Well, you know, Teresa, we've only got a couple minutes. So here's the question. With the government now trying to require that Catholics pay for birth control and abortifacients and et cetera, et cetera, uh, what can a normal person do? Is there anything we can do other than move to Mexico? <laughs> yes, we are not giving up our country. <laughs> okay, tell me what to tell <laughs> me what to do before I buy my ticket. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, first and foremost, we need to get informed, and shows like this are really cru crucial to that. Okay. But beyond that, make sure that you understand what this what the HHS mandate does, what the marriage amendment's really about, and once you're informed, engage your neighbors and engage your elected officials. There is a Freedom of Conscience Act right now pending in Congress that I know my congressional representative, Betty McCollum, has voted against and will not vote to protect the conscience mm -hmm. of those who don't believe in participating in abortions. Mm -hmm. That's outrageous. Mm -hmm. And so, Inform yourself after you've become informed and fully formed your conscience yes. correctly. Yes. Then vote. Yeah. And, and don't be shy. That example of that sort of conscientious refusal that you gave, the woman who didn't want to start a fight, didn't want to pick the, this conversation. <coughs> Christians have to be comfortable. We need to talk. God puts you at a point in time in a particular place mm -hmm. to bear witness to him. Amen. Amen. And, so and, and if I can just say one more thing on that, the if, if you don't know how to vote, if you, let's say you don't know who's pro-life, pro-traditional pro marriage, you go to MFC, Minnesota Family Council, mfc.org. Every election they have the voter's guide. You can look at it on the computer, write down who's pro-life, who's pro-traditional marriage. Take that piece of paper with you into the voting booth. Uh, that's one thing. And like Teresa said, stand up and be counted. And uh, let's see, we got about 36 seconds, but thank well, you, Well, the Teresa. other thing yeah. is thrift is a moral issue. Yeah. So there are lots that we should not be bankrupting our future generations. There you go. And so there are lots of reasons that people need to get informed, mm -hmm. stay informed, and vote your conscience. And everybody, pray for America. This is, not the, this is not the country I grew up in. I'm sorry, but this is not the country I grew up in. We need to pray for America. So everybody, when, when the TV show gets off, turn it off, pray, go to... Uh, pastorstudy.org and Teresa has a show on there it's our website called who decides marriage 
past pastor study to us is pastorstudy.org and watch our TV shows on on, on the uh, internet if you like. But God bless I'm you, so Therese, Teresa Corlett, and God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for watching the Pastor Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? You may do so at pastorstudy.org or write the Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always.